Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the voice of combat sports, the legend Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? Good, good, good. Pretty good. Listen, I got a little red here, a little bit of a tan burn going. No, um, I wasn't hanging out with Donald Trump doing sun lamps, anything like that. Uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I don't do that. I I'm haven't a, heard it called a sun lab well, in ages. <laughs> uh, um, ages, ages. That fits right <laughs> in with the next thing I'm going to say because I'm a caveman and, um, you know, uh, cavemen cavemen have fax machines and they got to turn them off sometimes and there it is the fax machine which is good it lets everybody know yeah that's Teddy Atlas that's not somebody pretending to be him he's got a fax machine holy cow can you believe it that's old school all that stuff um, no I don't go on the internet no I don't uh, I'm not kissing cousins with technology all that said I got a little burned a bit down in LBI. Uh, I went down there over the weekend with my daughter and grandchildren and son-in-law and his brothers and his brothers uh, and his brother's family who have a beautiful home down there and um I don't again cavemen cavemen don't use sunblock. My daughter kept saying that put a little sunblock on. No, put it on the kids, put it on the people that, you know, that you know, you want to protect me at this point. We don't worry about that too much. Uh, I won't be out there too long, but uh, I was out there maybe a bit too long. Um, but again, uh, that's that's it. That's the reason. Well, you're in good company, Teddy. I don't wear sunblock either when I run every day. I like get too tan in the summer. And I don't take, you know, I don't take, vacations or relax very well i i went down there for two days uh because i do take instructions from my five-year-old grandson joseph so he told me papa you gotta come down so all right i i went down and um but i tell you who does take vacations very well our producer rob who right now uh unlike me he knows how to live and take vacations and right now him and his wife marla are in france and talk about technology, how amazing, thank God that he knows technology and that you know a little bit too. Just think about it. Right now, you're in Tennessee, I'm in Staten Island, New York, and Rob's in France. Um, you know what? We're all over the freaking place. And <laughs> it's, I don't know, it still amazes me. It's, it's, it really does um, that you can do that kind of stuff. But... Um, I I'm trying to I just want to mention a couple other things uh, before we get to the start of the show. Uh, Tyson Fury exhibition. I didn't think I was going to touch on this with Francis and Ganyu. You know, it's going to be big money, uh, obviously for everybody in Saudi Arabia. Uh, it's a bit of a money grab. There's no doubt about it. Um, and you know, full disclosure, I don't always talk about things that haven't come to pass, but uh, Nganyo's people had asked me about the possibility of training them. And, um, you know, obviously, I don't just train anyone, even if it's even if it's um, a pile of oil money uh, in the sand where, you know, you, <laughs> it's just obviously, uh, you know, a, a 
a, a score, if you will. But I'm no, I'm no saint with this stuff or monk with this stuff. But I'm not going to train somebody unless I want to be around them. I think they're a good person. I think I can coach them. I think they're coachable, and that I think I can help them. I'm just not gonna. So obviously my way, you know my way, that I'm, I'm going to spend a couple of days with you. That's that's the deal. And it's going to be a trial period. And I'm not going to, you know, say yes or no until I go through the trial period and and see if I want to work with you and if I can work with you and if you can work with me. It's fair for you too. So anyway, they had talked about that. Uh, they understood that. They had talked about me coming out to Vegas to spend those couple days, matter of fact, a matter, and all nice people. I mean, we did a video that got millions of hits a couple years ago where I trained him. He had asked me to train him for a day in the gym in Vegas. I did it. Um, you know, and, and then you had fun moving around with him, you know, uh, sparring around with him a little bit uh, afterwards and all, all nice people. And and listen, they've done a great job. They they're getting paid. They've done a great job. They won the heavyweight title in the UFC, and and they parlayed that into to this exhibition with you know with with Tyson Fury, um, when there's a lot of money available. The golfers are getting it. Uh, you know everybody's getting it. Why not them? Uh, a few of the fighters are getting it now. Good. God bless them. But the the thing is that. You know, when, when I, as I said, they, they called me back and said, will you, you know, let's get the dates that you could come out now um, and we could do this trial period. And then I will get back to you, right? We're, we're, I told them what, what was, you know, what was expected. And they said, okay, uh, let me get, and they being the manager, let, let me get back to you uh, Friday. That was last Friday. And um, the next day, you know, I don't look at the internet stuff, but the next day, my son sends me a thing announcing that they're getting Mike Tyson to train him. Hey, again, God bless. Good, great. Uh, I'm sure it's going to bring in some extra pay-per-view vibes at the very least. And and look, Tyson was a tremendous fighter. We we get it. and 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 then Ganyu is in infatuated by him he's he's obsessed with Tyson he wanted me to show him how to throw the Tyson uppercut which I did so all right all that I treat him like a gentleman they're gentlemen and but you obviously you made that deal with Tyson and you're asking me to go out to Vegas to do a trial why don't you be up front with me just you know just don't feel good it just it just doesn't feel good I, and i hate to be i'm not crying but i mean I, I guess what i'm saying is can't we be better as people can't we just i know money is money and i i know that money is money and you know it's important but isn't it important to treat people right isn't it important to keep your word isn't it important to just you know and again they're nice people but when you when you're tempted by these things is it, isn't that when you isn't that when it's most important for you to show those characteristics that I'm talking about those traits of just decency of just honesty of just being upfront really being decent with your fellow human being i mean 
and and you know don't 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 ask me about coming out for a trial but when you when you know you made a deal with somebody already then it's got to feel like to me like you're just bringing me out to pick my brain knowing you're already going another direction which is which is your prerogative fine it's probably the right direction because it makes sense for them uh he's comfortable beautiful beautiful but be up front be i i'm just uh, you know usually i don't put the this stuff out on the laundry line uh, everyone out there knows me. They're saying, "Yeah, you know, Teddy. It's pretty much it's, it's, it's true." But I don't know. It just hit me. It just, you know, it, it just. Listen, if it's the worst thing that happens to me in, uh, you know, in my future, uh, that that that'll be pretty good. Well, I, uh, you know what I mean. Um, but yep. it doesn't. It just. I just expected more from people, especially people that I looked at as, you know. Pretty damn good, pretty pretty nice people. So anyway, um, I, I guess the reason I brought it up was that, but also because it's in the front news out there a little bit, even though a lot of people were poo-pooing it, not taking it serious. I know they're going to take it serious. I, I know they want to try to pull off the win. Who knows if Tyson Fury will take it serious? Who knows? Um, uh, he might not. He might. He probably, probably have, won't. But... Uh, I think he should because I'll tell you one thing, Ngannou's athletic enough, smart enough, um, tough enough mentally to, you know, if he if he, if he he learns some of the basic things that he would have to learn, which starts with a jab, really, uh, because I don't care. I'm not saying you're going to out-jab a guy who's been boxing his whole life like Fury and you're an MMA fighter. You better learn how to use your jab and learn how to use it appropriately at the right time, at the right distance, where you can at least, if not take away Tyson Fury's jab, at least make him honest. At least not let him dominate you with the jab. That That's what I would say. If you're going to get beat, don't get beat because you're dominated by the most obvious, his jab. So, and that would be my approach, my approach anyway. But um, I, I mentioned that uh, for two reasons, for the way I felt and for the little message that about humanness, uh, being good to your neighbors and treating all people properly and with honesty. But not, And again, I'm, I'm not there to teach anyone how to behave, but I think I can... I think it's good to throw that out there once in a while. I'm, I'm trying to be better every day in my life. And also, I put it out there because it's in a it's in the fight news. It's in the fight news. Uh, uh, a few people asked me, what do you think about that? So I said, okay. That that kind of put it on my radar a little bit. And um, the last thing I'll finish with is, yeah, I don't go on vacations, but Ken, I went to two good restaurants last week. Peter Lucas Steakhouse, Steakhouse my daughter, my son, her husband, my whole family, they took me there for my birthday and um, you know, Peter Lucas is good. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> it's it's a lot. It's a lot better than um. It's a lot better than what I was just talking about. <laughs> the steak, the steak will make you forget about some some things that maybe you want to forget about. Always a good, <laughs> always a good steak there. And then, a few days later, yeah, being a little spoiled, um, my friend Brian and his wife Susan took me in a lane to Rayo's, 
which really is a historic place up in East Harlem. It's a great old spot. I mean, it's right on the corner. It's it's in a great spot. I mean, it's it's Rayos. I mean, you can't get in there unless you have a table or you know someone who does. Uh, it's got great history, location, good food. Um, By the way, had you been there before? I've never I, been I, there. Tell me about it. Yeah, it's listen, it's interesting. It's a little tiny place. They they probably only do one sitting. And it's you can't get in unless you know someone, unless you've got a table, like I said, or someone has a table. And they The reservations it. are so hard, people will yeah. raffle no, off the opportunity. Not a, not a free dinner, just the opportunity to sit well, down I and have order it at dinner. My, at my charity foundation, I know. we do it. I think they I pay, know. people pay as much as 10000 for it, which is, you know, God bless that they can do that. That's why it, I want to know what it's them. like when you're in there. Is, is, and is they the have food a good meal. over the they top They have a good? good meal, and we help some kid with cancer. So that's a good thing, or family with cancer. But, um, yeah, it's a good meal. That's, lemon chicken is their number one thing. It's Everyone kind of has to have that. But it, it's good. It's very good. It's good. But it's the atmosphere. It's the location. It's the, the history. Yeah, over 100 years old. Um, always in the same Mafia, family. Mafia, hotspot. Whatever. <laughs> I, I, I mean, listen, whatever. I There's different That's people. where you used to people, do deals back people, in the day, right? People from all walks of life pass in and out. It's terrific. And, you know, it's cool because the maitre d' comes, the guy that runs the place, manager, whatever he is, he comes, he sits down, goes over the menu, and it's just what they have. That's it. It's always the same. Whatever it is, they yeah. say it to you, and they basically tell you what you're going to get. You're going to get pasta. Um, well, here, here's your <laughs> choice. Here's your choice. You're going to get a meat. Here's your choice of meat. You're going to get a vegetable. Here's your choice of that. Okay, what do you want? And he sits there, pulls a chair up, sits down, puts his glasses on, uh, takes out a piece of paper. Okay, what do you want? All right, what are we going to do here? And, and so it's, it's cool. It's different, and um, and you know, and the atmosphere is is, is alive, and uh, you know, and and when you were good people like I was with with Brian and Susan, hey, uh, you're blessed. You're you're blessed. You're just blessed that you can enjoy a meal with good people and um, get those kind of experiences. Teddy, I think the same people own the same reservation every week. Like, all right, Teddy Alice has Wednesday at 8 it's p.m. It's not really a reservation. To- the way they look at it and call it, Ken, it's a table. These people have a That's table. That's what I mean, yeah. They, they have a table. Yeah. And- Set time every week, and only they can give it away to someone else. But it's always, you can't get in there unless someone gives you the table. Yeah, Correct? 100%. You're right. And and I'm fortunate. I have a few people there that have tables. And... um. And they're good enough to. I never take it for myself. Never. At this time, I we went um, because I always say no, no, no. So finally, I said yes um, because you know sometimes you gotta say yes in life. And but I take it for my foundation, so we can obviously raise money to to do what we do to help people that fall between the cracks. And um, you know, it, it's uh, it, it's just. It's nice that I have people that give it to us so we can raise Definitely. money of, you yep. know, to do what we do. And, and it's even nicer that there's people at my dinner that come, the celebrities that come to help us sell it. Uh, they're just special people. And, and, yep. uh, and the, the, the regular people that come and, and not only buy a ticket, but then they will go and they will 
auction they will bid on something to help us like these things and you know I tell you you're just blessed that it's a collective effort to run a charity you need people to help you and one of those people you're just making me think about it right now one of those people I talked to the other day Tracy Morgan who who's a great comedian and but listen he we were talking he's a he's a big boxing fan he's a obviously very successful he's he's a great comedian he's he's very smart he's a very smart guy but more importantly he he's just, he's a good person he cares about others and that's that's what he oh by the way he he listens to the podcast and and he mentioned oh yeah ken's running a marathon ken's doing i i'm like you really do listen to it wow <laughs> wow wow so wow so it was just great to hear his voice and like i said yeah he's all those things i just said but the, the most important one is what i said at the end that he's he's a caring loving person that wants to make the world a little better just just wants wants to help wants wants to come to the foundation and all the other things he does so he he can just he can add to the world a little bit he can make the world a little better and he does he does just i know he does with coming to the foundation dinner um but i know he does just by the way that he interacts with people the way he reaches out to people the way he thinks about people the way he lends himself to people um I, I, that's the blessing i i talk about you know how nice it yeah. is to go to a nice restaurant with good people but the blessing is just to be able to have people like that in your life that um you know that that make that make your life better and yeah so anyway uh we'll, we'll Sometimes you have to take a minute. You know that old saying, I always like old sayings, you got to take a minute to smell the roses. You know, it, yep. it's so true. You got to take a minute sometimes to just think and reflect for just a minute of maybe tough things are going on in your life. And then just take one minute to think about the good things. And maybe it's something you don't think about. Like, it's not a big event. It's not that you hit lotto. It's not that you necessarily got a big bonus from your job, from your boss, which would be beautiful. But it might be just simply by reflecting for a second about people in your life that, hey, sometimes I take it for granted. I have, wow, I got these people in my life. I'm doing good. I mean, right there, right there. That That's 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 a blessing that's that's something that not everyone has so anyway yeah. no, i you're right i just wanted to take a minute to say that i know that we you came up with a i thought it was a good idea that and i'm glad rob even in france can handle it but where you're gonna we're gonna break down a i think it was on espn a baseball game that a fight uh, you know, went to a baseball game and a fight broke out, right? One of those uh, <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield type things where a fight yeah, broke yeah. out. And um, I think it was against, I think it was Ramirez against Anderson. Uh, I don't know That's what right. teams they, but go ahead, bring us to that. Because, I'll set it up for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
so the two combatants, Jose Ramirez and um, Tim Anderson, Tim Anderson plays for the Chicago White Sox. Apparently, Tim Anderson previously had referred to himself or said something to the effect that he takes inspiration from Jackie Robinson. I don't know. He mentioned himself That's and Jackie nice. Robinson in this in the same sentence, good. which good guy is a to bold take, statement. Good guy to take inspiration from. Go ahead. Yep, very fair. So far, good. And uh, so last year, just some background on Anderson. So last year, he had some kind of uh, Josh Donaldson, who's a white guy. Tim Anderson's a black guy. Donaldson walked past him and said, hey, what's up, Jackie? And okay. Anderson, I don't know that he intentionally tried to turn it into a racist thing, but uh -huh. he basically implied that in interviews previously. So that's a little background on Anderson. I think a lot of people think he might be, you know, somewhat woke and a bit sensitive whatever i'm not that that's not what we're here for i'm just giving you a little bit of background oh, on his personality good, good. so jose ramirez uh i believe he gets he gets a single he's trying to stretch it to a double he slides into second i don't even know if he was safe or out but he basically slides in he was out, some he was out. i think he was out i think he was out incidental contact at second nevertheless tim anderson's the second baseman jose ramirez slides and he's basically like anderson i think jumps a little he slides between anderson's legs it looked completely innocuous to me and they clearly have some words and jose ramirez you can see this all over twitter so if you've seen it bear with me if you haven't i'll just try and set it up the best i can uh ramirez jumps up they're both kind of squared off and Tim Anderson takes his glove off super aggressively. It reminded me very much of a hockey fight where he's like, oh, you want to do this? He takes the glove off. He steps back. They square off. The re the umpire, oh, my God, credit to him. He now, must look, be related Ken, to Ken, the Ken, let me just help a little bit. Ramirez is in the red uniform and Anderson's Correct. in the white. Go ahead. All right. Correct. So <laughs> you'll see Steve Willis's brother or cousin, who apparently is the umpire, you know, Steve Willis, the referee with the super animated eyes. The umpire steps back like, okay, boys, you want to do this? Yeah, that was crazy. That fight. was crazy. That was, isn't, <laughs> the, is, isn't the umpire supposed to really stop that from happening? I mean, well, we, my wife, no, I my wife made a comment, go ahead, go ahead. and I said, hey, when I worked in the prison, they tell you, if two guys are going to go at it, you get the hell but, out but of the way. But this is a baseball game, not for nothing. Like, this 100%. I mean, you know, 100%. But you got two big athletic men ready to throw bombs and you're the umpire you're there to call balls and strikes no one says get in the middle of two guys flailing nevertheless no, i get it steps but, but isn't but don't you referees and whether it's basketball whether it's baseball whether it's football once there begins a melee or before it gets to a melee i should say once it starts to have, have you know a confrontation their job is to stop it from escalating this guy <laughs> i was i was shocked he was he just stepped back like go ahead guys like you it said it looks like they told this guy hey if two men are about to throw down it's not your job know. to risk i don't know if they told him or, or he took it on himself to just say hey let me step back and let them do what they're doing i'm not getting hit or i'm not getting involved i don't know or maybe he wanted maybe he wanted to see a fight maybe maybe either way i liked it you guys want to do this you know how many times people stop pushing talking shit you want to fight go ahead let's do this yeah. go ahead and he stepped back and my god did they do it they um anderson squared off and i saw someone on twitter said anytime a guy takes this stance where his arms are up and his elbows are basically at 90 degree angles to his body he was like anytime you see that stance the guy's getting beat up nevertheless anderson stands like he rips off his baseball glove he's like let's do this he takes a stance 
and Ramirez puts his head down, starts windmilling. Anderson actually threw a couple of half-decent punches for a baseball fight. And as they're like separating, as the as Anderson, as you would say, is pulling straight back on the train tracks, he gets clipped with a winging overhand windmill of a right from Ramirez and lights go out. He folds in half. He's completely on Queer Street. He's not out cold, but he is I don't think as rattled anybody, as I've ever know, seen Ken, a baseball I'm player. I'm glad you put that out. I'll tell you why. The commentators didn't even point out that he got knocked out. Like, like I don't think they saw it when it happened. Yeah, I don't think they did either. Because with the with all the chaos that ensued, with all the bodies all around the place, people were coming from the you know from the dugout. They were coming from the from the bullpen. With all of that, the bodies got everything got blurry and and hard to see. I don't think they noticed. Yeah, when I saw it the first time, I thought I was the only one that noticed, like, oh, my God, that guy got knocked out. He's, like, folded in half. But with that, we're going to let the clip play. Let's see yeah, if we can Yeah, this is the end of commentary. it. we got to go to the beginning of it. We yeah, he, go Rob's got it queued up. Yeah. Hit so, it, Rob. All right, so there it is. He takes a swing at him. That's Anderson. Take, oh, we got to go back. We'll we go back see to the again. beginning. Yeah. Yeah, there's the wild punch. And then it's a slow motion. After he starts it, we'll see it at Frost. So he looks like he connects with a left, with a left, with a right jab. No, it was with a left. I think jab. Anderson actually no, landed no. a Ander good shot. Anderson landed a left hand from the southpaw. He's the southpaw. So the yep. first thing, see, yep. and there's, that's kind of a. It wasn't even a good solid fist. It was like a half a cuff. You see how he hits him with the yep. open hand, but yet. He never sees, what do we always say? It's the punch you don't see that does the damage. And he never Correct. sees it. Let's see it again. He throws a right jab, Anderson does, sloppy, uh, from the southpaw position. He falls off balance. He falls in. Doesn't keep his distance. Then he reloads, throws another one. And this one, that sloppy right hand, it comes from right field really does come from right field in this or f from first base and it hits him he never sees it he was in the middle of throwing another punch has left his time he never sees it and here it is again he he throws his left anderson he gets hit with the right hand he gets he gets put down and and maybe out or at least semi out but again he he doesn't turn the fist over ramirez so you know, he, he's not going to have lucky a Lucky for Anderson. Yeah, lucky for him. He's not going to have a boxing career afterwards, but but he will have this win. He gets this win. It's a windmill punch. It lands. Here it is again. A windmill punch. Good thing that the referee did get out of there because he might have got hit because it was so wide. So the umpire might have been smart to get out of there. And again, it hits him high on the chin. Um, on and, the jaw. Yeah, on the, on the jaw. George and I think are kind of related. And he um, he gets the effect that fighters want to get. He drops his opponent. The whole thing is that Anderson's a southpaw. All right, here's the breakdown. Anderson's a southpaw. Um, he should have been aware of right hands. If he's gonna if he's gonna be a fighter, southpaws get hit with right hands. So he should have been hit with should have been aware of right hands coming at southpaws and. They're vulnerable to them, right? He should have moved a little to his right, away from it. Once he saw that he was a, you know, he, he's a southpaw, he sees these orthodox, move to your right, away from the power shot, from the right hand. That, 
And of course, he did get hit with the one he, that knocks you out that you didn't see. But here's the thing. Even though Ramirez doesn't know how to fight, neither one of them do, and it was a sloppy punch, <laughs> those are the ones, those are the ones that they're coming from an awkward position, an odd angle, an angle that you don't expect, and they're the ones that when you don't know how to fight, they land. When you know how to fight, yep. you you take those guys apart because you make a miss and then you counter them, or you even punch in between, like that wide shot, you punch in between and you catch them before. But, of course, neither these guys, you know, uh, are going to be, you know, are going to be looking for boxing careers, I don't think, uh, during the offseason. They're uh, both on the next J- they're both on the next Jake Paul undercard. What are you talking about? Possible, possible. <laughs> but but again, uh for the final analysis of it, you know, yeah, it came from an unexpected angle and like I said the wild guys can at times be a problem because the punches, you know, uh are not expected from where they're coming from. Uh at the end of the day, again, I was a little surprised it had that kind of effect, being that it was more of an arm punch, and it didn't turn over where the knuckle part of the fist was actually landing, where it was a solid punch, where it was cuffed with with the open hand. Um, so, but it, but again, the reason it did have that effect, he never saw it. He was in the middle. Anderson had already thrown a couple left hands from the southpaw position. He fell forward. He got out of position. All of a sudden, he was in an orthodox position now because his feet were in a different you know, position now. And now he throws a left. And as he throws the left and misses, the right hand comes over. So he never, he never expects it. The last thing in his head, if you asked him, was, I was throwing a punch. And next thing I know, <laughs> I got people standing over me, and uh, and I'm and I'm still wondering. Help, they had to help him off the field. He yeah. was in really bad yeah, shape after that happened. And, like I'm honestly, he was on Queer Street. But Ryan, the the punch reminded me of something Chuck Liddell would do, where he would act like he was shooting and then throw that wild overhand right, where the guy's eyes go down to protect for the shot, and boom, the right hand comes. Yeah, but right now over you're talking top. about expertise. You're you're going from yeah. You're, you're going from guys in a barroom brawl who happen to have baseball uniforms on <laughs> and gloves. Yes. To, uh, to, That's what the to, punch to, reminded to me fighters. of, though, just like a winging overhand. Look, at the end of the day, uh, I, I guarantee you when he woke up or when he got his senses back to him, that Anderson... All, like I said, all he remembered was he was throwing something and next thing you know, he's got a bunch of people standing around him. And he's he's probably saying, why the hell did the umpire leave? Why the hell? <laughs> why, why, why the hell did the umpire leave? Why didn't he freaking do his job and immediately stop us? You know, and to your point, Usually these guys think it's going to be stopped. You know, they, uh, uh, they, it's kind of poetic justice that, hey, you want to act like a tough guy? You want to be a fighter? Okay, be a fighter. Go ahead. Go ahead. Live up to it. You know, see it through. Yeah. You know, because 100%. it always reminds That's me right. of what Customato used to say. And, and I witnessed, you witnessed it. We lived it growing up. But I remember in the schoolyard, Cus would say, remember the bully in the schoolyard? And if, if 
usually the guy didn't stand up to him. But if the guy stood up to him, all of a sudden a bully is like, let me at him, let me at him, you know, while he's waiting for people to hold him back. You know what I mean? Yep. And and let me at yep. him. And then if all of a sudden you let go of him, he's still saying, let me at him. He <laughs> doesn't realize nobody's holding him back. And he's still going, let That's me at right. him, let me at him. And, and oh, come on, oh, uh, uh, grab me again. You know what I mean? Grab me again. And, yep. and then, this was brilliant the way Cuz put it. And then when the guy stood up to him and all of a sudden everybody stepped away and let him go, all of a sudden, he was looking for the principal to interject. <laughs> he, <laughs> you know, he was, where's the principal when you need him? So I'm sure Anderson was thinking, where the freak was the umpire when you need him? Where? Where? Hey, I tell you, they better, they better not do that if your son becomes a baseball player. You're, uh, my man, my little guy there, my... my, my um, Cameron. Yeah, Cameron, but my uh, my student uh, that that I, I'm, I gave him a boxing lesson, but I'm going to be training him a little bit more. Uh, they better never mess with him, even if it's a pickup baseball game, because that guy no. not only can he can he use his fist. I mean, he could just he could just pin him if he wants to be nice, <laughs> or, or he could choke him out with his jujitsu moves. You know. You know what he he was he was training uh, last Friday and he got hurt training with an older kid and he was crying. He just turned eight, and so he was sitting on the side. He walked off for a second, sat by himself. So I just leaned over the little wall with us, where the parents or where there's like a little waiting room. I said, "Cam, are you um, are you okay? Are you hurt or are you injured?" He said, "Dad, I'm just hurt. Just give me a minute. I'll be back." And he just got back in there, buddy. Right away, we had a long talk about being hurt and being injured. Being injured, obviously, you can't train anymore. Being hurt is just like, okay, give me a second. But um, Boy, when we okay. we watched that we we watched that baseball fight, and Cameron says to me, Jack and Cameron were watching it. But Cameron said to me, Dad, why didn't the guy just keep his hands up? <laughs> if he kept his hands up, that punch wouldn't have hit him, and then he could have shot a straight a straight hand right down the middle. Why was he throwing these wild shots instead of straight punches? He ever since you told him straight beats round. And I've been beating that to said, I said, if you have a problem, just straight punches right down the middle. Get it from here to there quick, not all the way around the block to get there. And it resonated with him. So now every time he's like, Dad, straight punches, straight punches. That's all we throw, straight punches. I'll remind him of one other thing too. Move your head after your last punch. <laughs> That's important. Well... I'll tell you something else. I went to the UFC. We'll talk about the UFC in a minute, but I went to the UFC and yeah, I know Dana White. I had good seats, but Dana White saw me, said, hey, come in, had his people bring me in. I sat next to him and Candace Owens, cage side. And I'm glad you met all other... these people with me. I'm glad. I'm very yeah, glad. Yeah, thanks to you, glad. of course. So Cameron's jiu-jitsu teacher, Sean Williams, the black belt, was there as well. So he came over. And basically, we were talking about Cameron, and Dana was like, oh, your son is into jiu-jitsu? I said, oh, man, my son is convinced he's fighting in the UFC in 10 years. He's just turned eight. And he's and he said, where are you from, Boston, blah, blah, blah. I said, oh, with mutual friends with Mickey. And then he said, and he was like, oh, Teddy, I love Teddy. I effing love Teddy. He's a legend. So he got to talking about Cameron. He said, are you coming to the Boston show? I said, yeah, I think I'm coming. And I think you're working that, right? I think you're going yeah, to Boston. Yeah, no, I right, am, Teddy? I am, I am, I am. Yeah, so I said, Teddy's working, and I think I'm coming. And he said, 
bring your son. Tell my people, tell my people you come and bring my son, be my guest, and uh, I want to meet your son. And I'm like, I come home, I tell Cameron, Cameron, it's time. You're meeting the big boss. And he's like, Dad, we got to start training. I said, no, no, you're not getting a tryout next week. We're going to go and meet Dana. We're going to go to, and you're going to see Teddy again. We're going to go to Boston. He's He's over the moon. He's like, you know, he'd rather go there than to Disney World. Um, so thank you to Dana White and Dave Lockett and all the people at UFC have been just incredible to all of us. And um, thanks to you, Teddy, for um, all the introductions and um, the credibility that this platform lends. Um, obviously, without this, those those people don't know me. And it's been uh, just a blessing to be involved in a sport that I love so much, even in a peripheral way. So um, thank you to everyone, uh, including Rob, who is... Uh, introduced us back in the day and i know he's chomping at the bit to get his get to his five star michelin five three michelin star alain ducasse dinner um <laughs> anytime you want rob you can make me the host and split and tell marlo we said hello but let's get into some fight action teddy because there was a couple uh well there were some events i don't want to say there were some great fights but there were some events let's start with the um jake paul nate diaz fight down in dallas texas um fight I thought was more competitive than I thought it would be. Nate was doing his old shenanigans, kind of pointing at him at times, walking around. But I thought both guys, I mean, considering it was Nate's first professional boxing match and, you know, Nate was in and uh, Jake was in there with, like you've said, a legitimate fighter who's been fought at the highest levels, maybe not in boxing, but the cage. He has that experience. I thought the fight was very entertaining and I liked it. I enjoyed it. I know there's people out there that think that this is like ruining the sport or some crap like that. But even the women's fight before Amanda Serrano, I liked that. I enjoyed the whole thing. I just like combat sports, so I like seeing different styles and um, I enjoyed it. What'd you think? Let's hear the breakdown from a technical standpoint. Well, we we were, again, we have a couple, a little run going, a couple weeks in a row. If you listen to the podcast, uh, and the preview of these fights, and then you went to my bookie. If you had money to play with, not not anything that you can't afford, but if you could afford a couple extra bucks, throw it around onto something, you would have listened again. You would have listened to us, and you would have had Jake Paul, because we we picked him. Matter of fact, when I broke the fight down, I remember saying that yeah, Jake Paul's gonna win. And I will not be shocked if he hurts Diaz before the night's over. And he did. He, he wound up dropped. But yep. Diaz, because of his toughness, his grit, he was able to overcome it and survive. Uh, the first thing that came to my mind was we that should make that a regular. We should make that a regular part of the show, Teddy. Is just to have like a running t a scoreboard of like who do we pick last week? Yeah, we should. And I keep said that a, uh, tally wins and losses. See how people will do. I said that three years ago. We haven't done it yet, but yeah. I I I had thought that maybe we could do that. I wonder what the pay-per-view numbers were here compared to the fight that was billed as the biggest boxing match in 20 years, Spence Crawford, which I, uh, Spence Crawford made money. I get it, but and they did around 600,000 um, buys, which when, isn't very much for a well, fight that big. Uh, correct, Domando, because a lot of people thought it was going to do a million. So it fell short, mm -hmm. uh, quite a bit short. But listen, they made money. Um, the, I, I'm just curious. Um, I really am. What the the numbers were? I like to find out. Maybe you guys can find out. Rob can find out what the numbers were 
for the uh, Jake Paul, Nate Diaz, and we could compare them. Uh, the one I thing think I w- you'd have a better chance. I think you'd have a better chance of finding the like CIA tapes on the JFK assassination before you find out actual real pay-per-view, verifiable numbers. pay-per-view numbers yeah. from any promoter. Yeah. I just don't think it's no, humanly they, possible. No, it's hard. It's it's like getting the right numbers after a movie to what the <laughs> movie really made. Like if you're if you have a if you were naive enough to get a piece of the back end or whatever they call that in a movie deal. You know what? You might want to go and hire like CSI, <laughs> like a forensic accountant, and then you're probably still not going to get the number right. I mean, any any, all you need to know is that ET, the biggest grosser movie in the world, up into Avatar, I guess, and maybe some other, but they they lost money. All right, they lost money. Um, I know they really didn't. I know they didn't really lose money, but whatever. When you get back in, that means you get what's left from the profits. And basically what happens is the studio, the publisher, anytime you have a book, movie, film deal, after they're done with the quote-unquote accounting, i.e. expenses here, expenses there, that consultant got a million dollars to help with advertising. This guy got two million. By the time you get down to like paying out the back end, that's why you're saying no, you're right, it's a Ken. loss because a joke. they'll get so creative with the expenses. Yeah. You have to have they, like they get creative. on like the gross. They, yeah, they get creative with robbing the crap out of you and stealing your eyeballs. But you know, it's very, <laughs> very similar to to what a, a fighter like Tim Witherspoon went through with Don King. Very similar to going through being a fighter for Don King back in the day and going through a training camp in his training camp, his beautiful training camp in Cleveland, <laughs> where he told you, come to my, get away from all the crap you're around, get out of there, come to my training camp where you could get in shape, get away from all the distractions. Really, Don? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you go to his training camp and Tim Witherspoon made $1.9 million for the fight in London against uh, Frank Bruno. He, he was losing the fight all the way through. He knocked out Bruno uh, late in the fight, 11th, whatever round it was. He saves his title. He comes from behind. He knocks out Bruno. I think it was in Wembley Stadium. It's, it's you know, huge crowd. Uh, obviously, a lot of money made, uh, by not by him, but by the promoters. And... I think he was contracted for somewhere around 1.9 million. Whatever the whatever it was, he he wound up he wound up uh, I believe I believe with enough to get home. Maybe maybe not. Uh, definitely not a first class ticket. He he would have had to probably ride coach uh, to get back from London. But the bottom line is the, it the took poor, a boat. The, yeah, uh, uh, a slow one. He, the poor guy, when he got back, he, he he got nothing just about. He later on sued King. I think he won whatever he won. But he got an accounting sent to him. <laughs> Can you imagine, Ken? The poor guy goes through a brutal fight. He pulls it out. And now at least he's going to reap his rewards, take care of his family, have the money, and... And he's got nothing. And now he gets sent this ledger sheet with the expenses from the Don King training camp that he thought was free. Of 
course, King reminded, ho, 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 nothing's free, son, <laughs> in life, right? Whatever. Well, only in America. So he gets, he gets the expense accounting, um, which he didn't expect, and it ate up all his profits, all the way down to like $500 for Coca-Colas. I mean, you know, you shouldn't have been drinking Coca-Cola in camp anyway, Ken. You know what I mean? You, you really, you shouldn't be drinking. <laughs> I, I don't mean to be uh, really to make this, I, I shouldn't make it too funny, but you shouldn't drink Coca-Cola in camp, um, especially if it's going to cost you $500. Uh, you should, you, I don't know what kind of Coca-Cola. He must have drank a lot of Coca-Cola, but that was one of the things that was on the, on the bill. Uh, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for the, for the training camp, tens of hundred thousand maybe, maybe more, a couple hundred thousand. Who knows for the training camp facility, for the cook, for the for the this, for that. You know, can that. you imagine doing this to a fighter and not just telling him up front, hey, we can get a chef, it's going to be ten grand. We can get a strength coach, but it's going to be this. To just do it. And then take the money and clearly charge him too much. Like, I just don't know how people sleep at night knowing that this guy's out there breaking his back to do the work for you. And you're perfectly fine with skimming him, you know, taking advantage. Because if you weren't, you'd be like, hey, here are all the expenses. Do you understand? This is what is going to come out of your pay. You good with it? I think you should do it because it's going to help you win the fight. But to just do it after the fact is so dirty. It's I, I don't understand the mentality. You you asked how do people sleep at night? You know there was a movie about that old gangster from Harlem, the numbers guy, the numbers king, Bumpy Bumpy Johnson, and um, I, I I watched it and uh, there was a scene in there, there was a scene in there where the guy, the guy that's playing Bumpy Johnson, I think it was uh, I'm trying to remember his name. Anyway, he asked this guy that's working for one of the gangsters up there, he asked him, how do you sleep at night with yourself? And the guy had the great answer back. And maybe it's the same answer that Don King would give. You know what the answer was, Ken? He said, What's that? Who said I sleep? <laughs> that, <laughs> and, and maybe that's the answer. Maybe these people don't sleep at night. Maybe Maybe somehow they've you know found a way to uh to avert what we can't what all the rest of us all have to do which is sleep um where your conscience can sometimes maybe attack you while you're sleeping maybe they found a way to avoid that to circumvent that <laughs> that part of life but anyway the bottom line is poor tim witherspoon uh really a good fighter he had his window there. His first fight was the best fight he ever fought for the title against Larry Holmes. He lost. He lost. But Larry Holmes was, was still at his peak. He was really good, obviously. Tremendous fighter, tr champion. Uh, and at that time, still undefeated. And Witherspoon fought him. A young Tim Witherspoon fought him. And it was it was a close fight. It was a good fight. He fought a hell of a fight. And he was never as good as he was that night. Never quite in the same condition physically or probably mentally that he was. I mean, he went on, obviously, he won a title, uh, and he had some good nights. 
Um, but for me, that, that night that he lost, people laugh because they say, Teddy, you pick a one that he lost. Yeah, it's that way sometimes. He fought a great fighter and he lost, but he, he, really, he really fought tremendously um, in that loss. And obviously it, it led to him being able to go down the road and, and, and beat other guys that were not Larry Holmes and, and to win a title. But um, anyway, let's, uh, let's move forward with, I guess let's move forward with the, with the breakdown of that fight. You know, um, I think you hit it right that, you know, people were satisfied. Even though Jake Paul won most of the rounds, there was enough moments, maybe three rounds, where, and moments in a fight where Diaz made it really interesting. He, he you know, he made you think a little bit. He, he did. And the one thing I made a note to myself that I wanted to say before I went into the analysis was that the ring announcer, what's his name? Lennon, I guess, surprisingly said to me, the wait is over. And I just want to ask you a question, Ken, as my, <laughs> were, were we really waiting for this? I mean, I I appreciate it, and, and it turned out to be, you know, like I said, entertaining, but were we really, I, you could say we were waiting for Spencer Crawford, I get it, but were we really, I mean, really, is, and, and I just had to say it, these announcers are always reaching to outdo the other guy so much that they come up with the, some catch. You know, they're always looking to come up with some catch or corny phrase. Um, I got an idea. <laughs> they they should do a showdown, like sort of like a shootout of all these announcers who are starting to all blur together, like I said, sounding all the same, have a shout-out contest right they're always looking for new content on tv reality shows all that kind of crap why not have a shout out contest where they each go on stage they do their introductions and you have the judges you know like american idol right the voice you know the singer all that stuff um you you have you have the judges and you drag it out just like they do on those shows right where you drag it out for a few weeks until you have just two left. And then when you have the two left, you know what you do? <laughs> let them fight. fight. Let them fight. <laughs> See, you thinking like me now. You're hanging out with me. See that? What happens? You better be careful, Ken. You're hanging out with me so much, you're starting to think like me. You better be careful. Uh, to be so, honest, I, I think we have a lot in common because that would be my stock answer to any dispute. Okay, just fight about it. Yeah, so here it is, you know, and then and let them fight it out for the title, right, of the, you know, the biggest blowhard, and not biggest blowhard, I'm sorry, I didn't mean, I meant to erase that, I'm sorry, I didn't erase it. Or, uh, you know, the title of the king of the mic, king King of the mic, right? King of the mic. <laughs> King of the hell. Well, I think we know. We already know who's. We already know who's going to win. Bruce Buffer is a legitimate MMA yeah, jiu-jitsu player. He's well, going to knock great. the crap out of everyone. If you watch him before he announces it, like Rob him. and I were laughing. He's warming up like he's going to fight. He's well, stretching he, his he legs. Better be he's in shape. shaking his arms. He better be in shape because <laughs> yeah. otherwise he'd have a heart attack. That guy. I mean, he puts, oh for sure. He puts a lot into it. Look, 
at the end of the day, it turned out to be an interesting fight, as I said. I picked Paul, um, and you know, I, I thought that he might hurt Diaz before the night was over. Paul, Paul's in the same position that Canelo is. He's bringing in the money. He's he's I, give him credit. Give him credit. Um, brilliant, uh, and and he respected the sport. He did it the right way. He he trained. He he got a trainer. He trained for a couple of years, few years now. Um, give him credit. He he came up with an idea. He's executed that idea. Um, he's in position. The reason I say like Canelo, he's bringing in the money. He's controlling the promotion, and he has the leverage and the power to set the parameters of the deal. He picks the opponents. So and again, he's naturally in this the bigger guy. He's the younger guy, and he picks another MMA fighter who's not the greatest striker. But as you touched on, Ken, let's not forget that Paul only started boxing three years ago and is still a work in progress. But for me, he's improving all the time, both as a boxer, getting better technically and more fluid and more natural, you know, uh, with what he's doing, but also improving as a fighter where he's becoming more confident mentally, more comfortable inside the ring, where he can now see more things clearer. And and again, yeah, he's 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 picking his opponents and he's giving himself certain edges, but he's still fighting professional fighters who've been fighting since they were kids or most of their lives. And who while these these particular ones may not have a degree in boxing knowledge, they they have, like Diaz, they have a PhD in toughness and in the mental arena of, of just living and, and performing in that fire and um, in that cauldron, that, that cauldron of, of fear and, 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 and what can be chaos. Just a, an uncomfortable, you know, an uncomfortable place. And Diaz used that edge and that talent to try and take Paul to dark places and to places he's never been. But to Paul's credit, he's developed enough, again, as both a fighter and a boxer, where he can survive those moments and and to win. So Paul came out fast. He, um, he showed both his improved boxing and how he's just more, as I said, fluid and natural now, not mechanical as he was earlier. Uh, he dominated early. He was up two to nothing. He caught Diaz, who, you know, can be known as a slow starter. Uh, and it was smart. It was bringing on their on their preparation. Him and his trainer, where okay, let's let's catch this guy by surprise. Let's start fast. He starts slow, and Diaz after that, I think he was surprised. Diaz. But then he just did what he does, you know, putting on pressure, hoping to wear down Paul mentally and physically. Diaz is a southpaw. And I thought that Paul should have moved maybe a more to his left, away from the backhand, you know, the left hand of Diaz, rather than stand in front or, or you know, move to his right, which he was moving to, I thought, maybe too much where he could be hit by it, um, which 
he was getting hit with the left hands. Uh, he was getting caught with them in spots, even though ultimately he did get caught with a left hook. But after starting to apply more pressure, I thought Diaz had a good fourth round. You know, Paul had jumped up ahead or jumped out ahead, uh, won the early rounds. But then I think, and you you helped me with this, I think it was the fifth round where he dropped him. Was it the fifth round, uh, Ken? Just verify that if you can, where Paul caught Diaz coming in with a good, well-placed counter-left hook on Diaz's temple where he dropped him. I think it was the fifth round, but um, it was it was... As you look for that, I just continue. As always, it was a it was a super game gritty effort from Diaz. Um, the difference again was Paul was obviously more developed now technically. Um, his jab, Paul's jab, which I said would be a key to control Diaz on the outside before he could get close and to slow down his aggression, that was a key. That was that was important for Paul. And also his technique, as I said, was was better. And when his technique is better, in this case, than Diaz, you know what that means? Nobody touches on this. It means his defense is going to be better. And he was just he was just harder, a little harder to hit than Diaz was. That alone, that alone is is huge. You were right. It was round five where he got the knockdown. Thank you. Now, although Diaz was hitting him too, I get it. But, again, Paul, one of the big difference, his defense a little better. And what made the fight, and, and we've touched on this already, but what made the fight a success and satisfying to the fans, and to me, to you, was that although Paul was winning most of the rounds, Diaz was having those moments. Just having those moments. And like he did in the eighth round. I mean, that was a good round, where his pressure seemed to be breaking through, you know, and his temperament, Diaz's temperament and experience was starting to have an effect on Paul. But this is where Paul gets huge marks from me. Each time in those character, each time in those two or three rounds where Diaz was coming on and testing the resolve of Paul, Paul came up big when he had to. You know, he 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 he, he when when he needed to, he always responded after after showing not just his, you know, not only his own heart and resolve, but his improvement as a fighter. His, he when he needed to. He, he he got beat up a little bit in that, I think it was the eighth round. And then by the end of it, he he came back a little bit. He responded like a fighter should respond. He behaved like a fighter. That's the bottom line. In the end, Paul won, but Diaz did not lose. And I tweeted this with my great, 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 great tweeting team. Who's got a tweeting team? I don't know who has a I have one. I have one with Eon, Ian and Brennan, right? Um, Brennan Wood. Is it Brennan Wood? I just last time, yeah. Brennan, right? Yep. Brennan Wood yep. and, and and Ian, um, I want to say his last name. 
he deserves to have his whole name said. They both do. Brennan Wood and Ian. One sec. Ian, yeah, I, 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 I just call them by their first names and by great. If I say great, they know who I'm talking about. Um, One sec, let me make sure I'm saying this right. Mackey, right? Ian, Ian Mackey. Yeah, so Ian Mackey and Brennan Wood, they're the Ian best. Ian Mackey and Brennan Wood, yeah. And Rob wasn't available. He was in France, but he's always there. And they, I, I put out in the end that, um, yeah, Paul won, you know, won clearly, but Diaz did not lose. His skills obviously are in the MMA, not in boxing, and his brand remain strong or even maybe even grew a little bit in the end both guys won and the fans were satisfied as i said there were enough moments scorecards 98 91 98 91 97 92 all right i heard people complain not bad i i i didn't score it but maybe diaz won three rounds all right um somewhere around there so 98 91 i don't i don't think it's bad 97 92 i i like it um 98 91 again i don't think anything bad there um don't forget that paul did have a 10 8 round <laughs> you know we we forget that sometimes um with, with the knockdown and at the end of the day for me Nate Diaz is a little like Arturo Gatti. God bless him. I, I miss him. And um, a little bit like him and a little bit like Mike Tyson. I'll I, I deal with the Gatti part first. Because even if Gatti lost, his fans, they, they stayed because of the action that he always brought to the fight because of the way that he behaves. You know, and, and with Tyson, they stayed too because of the way they, they, because he would give you a moment because you didn't, never knew what he would do. Because, again, uh, you know, the reputation of just not knowing what Tyson would do was enough. But it's not so much about winning with Diaz as it is with being the BMF, right? And everyone knows that I try to make a practice of not cursing on this show. We got kids, we got whatever. Everyone has their own preference. I just, I'm, again, I'm, I'm no better or hopefully not worse than anyone but um i just decide not to do that but we know what it stands for right bad mother <laughs> you know right effa um as <laughs> as long as long as diaz holds true to that mantra and title which he did because that's his brand then you know then uh, then it's a good night it's a good night and again he made it a good night he made it a good night because of his resiliency, because of his in-ring character, um, you know, and and I was a little shocked. I don't know. We'll see if it plays out. But Ken, I want to ask you: Were you a little shocked? And Sam, my guy over here who who trains with MMA um, and does all this great filming with us, Sam Rivera, and does those great inspirational videos that are out there. When Paul said, and I like Paul. I, I told you already on this show. I like that he respects his sport. He had an idea. He made that idea happen. He brought it to life by working his backside off. 
and he gets in with he's still getting in with he's still getting in a dangerous place with real fight and he did what everyone asked for he fought a boxer he lost competitive fight Tyson Fury's half brother or whatever um you know uh and Tommy and Ty- Tommy. Tommy Fury had a lot of incentive because Tyson told him he was going to leave him in the desert pumping gas if, if he didn't win. You know, that's a lot of his incentive. His dad told him that. Oh, his his dad. dad told him he's never going to lose. He knows it's unacceptable at the press conference and then told I mean, him yeah, he bet his whole purse. You got to give him, yeah, you got to love the family. So anyway, I mean, really, they should have some kind of reality show, whatever. You know they weren't kidding because Tommy Fury was crying like he won the world title after the fight. I mean, he was very emotional. Exactly. Exactly. So, look, uh, I was surprised. I, I want your reaction. I want Sam's reaction. To, to hear Paul, and I think there's a legitimacy to Paul. There is a legitimacy to it. There is. You call him a YouTuber, whatever. He's a fighter. He is a fighter. That's what he is right now. And he's, he's found a way to make money with it. God bless him. The American dream. I want to... Was he? I, I'm going to say he was real because I think what he says, he tries to stand behind. Was he real when he said that I'll, I'll run it back with Diaz in the octagon, in the cage? Oh, with, yeah. With they MMA? They want him in. They want, they want, well, I think that it's two With things. MMA rules? Yes. He, well, he's a wrestler. He's this guy. No, he's, well, he, he was. A, he wrestled what? Yeah. Was in high school or, or what? I, yeah, I, but but he was he was competitive. Like he was okay. a real re- legitimate wrestler. Okay. And I think he's also he's. I don't think that there's anyone question his toughness. And I think no. that there's two things. Yes, I think he'd do it. But number one. But number two, he's saying he'll do it in the PFL where he just signed. Getting Nate Diaz to do a fight with the PFL would be a huge coup against the UFC in four PFL. Uh, and you know, uh, Jake is like mortal enemies with Dana. So I believe uh, yeah. that they're sincere. That's, I mean, that no matter what, I mean, I got to see it all, what it really is like and isn't. Like, uh, and I'm joking. I'm half joking here, but like, are there... Uh, are there certain stipulations in the contract you can't get him in a in an armbar? You know, I'm I'm, I'm half joking, but I'm just he no, wants no, a legit MMA. That's fight. what I mean, and he's legit. So if it's a legit MMA fight, let me ask you the question. Even though I'm the fight guy, who who wins that? I mean, if if Nate Diaz, if they're using four ounce gloves, and it's MMA rules, and Nate Diaz can. Do what he did with great MMA fighters, great UFC fighters, Conor McGregor, the likes, all everybody. He could take him to the mat, <laughs> right? He could look to choke him out. He could look to, you know, use grappling, wrestling, jujitsu. I don't know what the, I don't know what the strong talent traits of of Diaz. I I don't know what his strongest he's abilities. a black belt in jiu-jitsu and i think it looks like it will look like randy couture and james tony i think he takes him down and chokes him out like in the first round no but, but i but, think jake paul uh, puts up resistance uh, but and, you made a point before that this isn't james tony this is jake paul tony didn't really prepare yeah. for that he just kind of went in correct there. but Jake Paul's going to prepare. He's been prepared. He's going to, and he has a background in wrestling. It would be like if I told you the best amateur guy is going to, an amateur gold medalist is going to come out of the Olympics and he's going to step right up and face um, Terrence Crawford. 
You'd be like, this just, he doesn't have enough time. He doesn't, three years wouldn't be enough time to prepare for a guy who's been doing it. Jake Diaz has been doing this his whole life. He's going to get him on the ground and, and swarm him. I think Jake might be able to resist the takedown for a minute or two, but he's getting choked. I'm sitting where you are. That, that's why I'm shocked. That's why I brought it up, because I'm shocked. I don't, I mean, his chances yeah. of winning are, are, you know, are not, are not great. But uh, yeah. a guy that determined and that does his homework and does doesn't go into anything half ass, right? I don't. But still, mm. still, uh, to your point, you're going in there with a guy who that's his expertise. That's what he does. Sam, who I yes. just said does all our filming here, does a great job. He trains every day. Uh, in Jersey, some brown belts. Yeah, he's a brown belt. He trains in the in the, I believe it's in one of the Gracie. No, maybe it's not the Gracie. I think it's That's one right. of the one of the Tigers. Uh, Suman, uh, Sam, go ahead. You. So I, I train with the uh, Tiger Showman's fight camp, and you know, Ken. To your point, I agree. I think uh, Jake would probably prepare for it, um, take it completely serious, but. Uh, when it comes to like jujitsu and MMA, I think it's a it's a completely different game. You just need time on the mat, and Jake just doesn't have enough time on the mat to beat Diaz as he's on the ground, no matter what his wrestling is. Typically takes about 10 years from soup to nuts to get a black belt. Nate Diaz has had a black belt for probably 10 years, maybe more. So to think that Jake Paul is going to get enough knowledge in six months, 12 months to make up that difference. It just, I just don't see it happening. But, you know, credit to Jake Paul for even thinking big credit. to get in there and do it. Big credit. Big credit. And, you know, again, big, well, what word can I use? Cayunes. Cayunes. <laughs> I, I can get away with that. Big Cayunes. Um, who was the guy, the basketball guy? My son loves him. My son loves the guy. The basketball announced he's a legend who used to see, say when a guy did something like that on a basketball court, onions! He's got onions! Um, was, that, <laughs> was that Bill Rafferty? Maybe it was Rafferty. Was that Raff? Was that Raff? Um, Raff Maybe, was, uh, but the... But the best basketball announcer, as you all Marv know, Alpin. is uh, Johnny Mose from Boston. Marv Alpert, I thought. But um, <laughs> Johnny Mose, of course, he's from Boston. He's got the right area code. Sam wants to say something. I want to say one other thing, because Diaz, post-fight, didn't he say something to the fact that Jake didn't beat me in a, in a fight? He, bought, he beat me in a boxing match. So I, I would think that yeah. he'd love to be back in, you know, under the lights with, with Jake as well. Yeah. You, yeah, I think. Again, yeah, I, I think that Jake is a businessman and knows that if he can get Nate to fight him in the PFL, the PFL gains a huge following, gains some more credibility. And I think that, like, he probably knows. Jake's not stupid. He knows, like, getting in with a black belt in jujitsu is going to end badly. But I don't think he cares about getting choked or anything. I think he's already proven that he he doesn't have to. I don't worry think about I, that's where I disagree, out. Ken. A guy like him who's done what he's done. I don't think he thinks that he's going to lose badly. I don't think he's going in there with that. I'm really telling you. It doesn't no, mean he's accurate. Right. I don't mean he's accurate, but he ain't made up that way. That's not his, DN, you know, his uh, DNA. A, a guy like that, that's done what he's done, you know. He, he's going to go in there thinking, no, 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 I'm going to win. 
<laughs> but like you, like you and I have talked about over the years is 80% of this is mental. And I'd say 80% is just showing up as well. And it's like, even when I ran the race in the Gobi desert, when I, when that was over, people were asking, were you surprised? I was like, yeah, I guess, I guess to a certain extent, but I showed up and like, that was the first step. Like I was there and the people that were there were there. And I just had to beat those people on that day. Dude, and it's that, the same for right. Jake. Maybe he's just same like, thing. Hey, we're going to get in the ring. The guy could break his knee on the first move. Anything can happen in a exactly. fight. And I to think your Jake's point, like, he could. You didn't go. You never raced in a desert with freaking sand dunes. But nope. you went there thinking you're going to win. I mean, of so course. I think Or die. That, <laughs> yeah, die trying. So yeah. I think that that's the attitude of all people that are successful in what they do. And, I, you know, like if I trained, say, you know, for that two minutes where I thought there might be some seriousness to the possibility of me training in Ganyu, right? Where people say, of course, he's got no chance against Fury. Rightfully so, I get it. But when I when I contemplated it, just for a second, that if we, you know, if we could get to that place where I had the trial period and I wanted to work with him and he wanted to work with me and I thought I could really do what I needed to do and would be allowed to do and have cooperation to to do it. But I, in my mind, call it confidence, call it what helps make you, as I'm talking about with, with Jake, makes you successful. And I've been blessed to be successful in this business I've been in for 50 years. I thought if I train him, he's going to win. I really did. I, again, you can say whatever you want. I'll tell you, but I, but I have to think that. Why would I do it otherwise? I, I think with, you know, with my experience, with my background, I'm thinking in my head that if I do do it and I do get the cooperation that I need, obviously, from the fighter to do this, we're going to win. We're going to shock. We're going to shock the freaking, you know, people, obviously. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to beat them. We're going to knock them out, whatever. But so you have to have, really, you have to have that belief uh, going into something. Otherwise, you shouldn't go into it. You really just shouldn't go into it. Of course. It. And I tell you, somebody who has that belief is uh, a guy named Sanhagen. Uh, I, I, I want you to set that up, but I know that that's, that's a UFC fight, right? That we... Um, that happened yep. over the yep, weekend. Yep. And um, first, before you set it up, I really like Sanhagen a lot. For me, and my son loves him, but for me, he's a ton to deal with. He's just so solid everywhere. Obviously, like all of them, he's very tough. Um, and I, 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 think he, I think now he's finally, I don't know, I think that he deserves a title shot, but whatever. Um, go ahead, take, take, it, take, take us there. Yep, Saturday night, UFC was in Nashville. I went to the fight, and like I said earlier, sat with Dana. It was unbelievable. I went to the fight with my friend Todd Anderson and, um, and some other guys, Andrew East, the guys who own Slate Milk, and um, Walker Zimmerman, who's the captain of the Nashville um, soccer team. Uh, it was a super fun night. Like I said, Dana saw us sitting in the front, waved us over, so he had us come and sit. He let the other guys rotate in every couple, every fight. Someone else would come and sit next where I was sitting uh, cage side with Dana. It was just the best experience ever. They had the headphones there, so you could listen to the broadcast or watch the live action without the without the commentary. And um, 
really fun fight card. Um, not a lot of big names, but um, yeah, Corey Sanhagen gets the win over Rob Font. I got to tell you, it was a bit frustrating. I mean, the crowd booed most of the night because it was very conservative, defensive fight for Sanhagen. There's, that's the part about the UFC that love it or hate it. That's a real element. If you're not entertaining and you just go in there and take a conservative approach and uh, reminds me a little bit of like Oscar when he was up on um, Tito Trinidad and just started running the last round, just staying away and like gave the fight away unnecessarily. Not that, not that Sanhagen did that, but he was definitely fighting a defensive fight. He couldn't really get much offense going once he got font to the ground. But man, it, it was... It was hard to watch from a fan's perspective. The crowd was booing like crazy. And apparently, I didn't know this, they put the flashlight on the cell phone and start waving it in the crowd. So when everyone's doing that, it's distracting. The whole crowd has got flashlights waving back and forth. I think that's the way of like booing, I guess. And um, Oh, no, they also booed. Dana... Yo, they, they booed they too, but, that, but, those lights, but those lights were distracting. To your point, and, Ken, to your point, the maybe the most legendary name in MMA history are the Gracies. And mm -hmm. they started UFC. I mean, they they were there at the infancy yeah. at the very beginning with Dana, with, with the Freida brothers, for, you know, when they bought it. Um, guys that own the casinos. As great as they, they are and were in their history, the, you know, um, the Gracies, they, and as much as they impacted this sport and UFC, and as I said, were there at the very beginning of it, they wouldn't be able to really make a living in it today because they'd be booed out of the arena because the way they made their living, the way that they had their success, what they were so special at was basically on the mat, even laying on their back, inviting you in, Kind of like the spider inviting the beetle, and the only difference was the beetle never left. The beetle never <laughs> left once he went into that web. And they that's kind of how the Gracies fought it. They laid on the back. They took a pounding sometimes. They wouldn't give in. They were the toughest anything. They wouldn't submit. They'd survive. And the next thing you know, like it was like watching something from the Nature Channel, like Wild Kingdom, where the python would come out of the tree and all of a sudden, <laughs> slowly come down and wrap itself around the neck of of the of the person that had no idea that the python was coming. That's what the Gracies did with their legs. All of a sudden, they'd have their legs wrapped around you, and seconds later, you it'd be over. They they submitted yep. you. They choked you out, yep. or or some other way of choking you out. So as great as they were. To the point you just made, they wouldn't be able to compete today. First of all, the, the fighters are so advanced now, not only on the mat, but striking with, with everything, with so many elements. I mean, so many things like a John Jones where, yeah, he's, he's great on the mat, but he's great striking, he's great with everything. I mean, these guys, jujitsu, grappling, wrestling, I mean, everything. And striking and kicks and... Every, just the kickboxing part like a Pereira brings to it, everything. So I, I don't know that the, the world's different and, and they, they'd have a hard time just yeah. in, in the competing and winning in that. But as far as being fan favorites, as far as being able to make money, as far as being, you know, uh, 
liked by exciting and exciting by the fact they they wouldn't be able to do it they wouldn't be able to do it there's occasionally a jujitsu man comes along and can like win some affection and, and get a little bit of attention. But at the highest level, we've seen it time and time again. You have to be well-rounded. And if you are a jujitsu man and you're going to go play that game, you need to get that submission quick because people just, like I said, fortunately or unfortunately in the UFC, you have to be entertaining. It's not just about winning. And what I was going to tell you, the final thing is Dana got up and left in the fourth round. He was literally like, I can't watch this shit anymore and left, left the arena. But that's I why, mean, <laughs> that's why he's so brilliant at what he does. So successful where he, he controls the brand. He controls it, the whole thing. And he knows what he, what he wants and what the fans want. More importantly, that they have to have exciting fights. He knows, he understands. They have to, and that's why that's why they've advanced to the place they've advanced, that brand, you know, where they've passed boxing, unfortunately, where, you know, if boxing yeah. puts on a big fight, the universe is still going to be big if it's the right fight, but week in and week out, as far as comparing, you know, boxing and, and UFC, UFC blows them away with the ratings. I mean, week yeah. in and week out, out close. for one reason, only one reason for that. Simple formula, not complicated. He's going to put competitive fights on. And, and, yeah. and, and a loss, unlike the way they treat it in boxing, these promoters treat it, and the networks have, have accepted it, is that a loss is not a dead sentence at all. A loss actually is a badge of courage. Where you lost to a top guy, okay, that proves that you can get in there with top guys. You get in again, you lose again, you get in again. And that's why you see guys with five, six, seven, ten losses in UFC beating top guys, competitive if not beating them, because they went through the fires, because they developed. They actually got what the boxer wasn't given, a chance to become better. By fighting a risky fight that could make you better, even though you might get a loss, but you become a better fighter. The the promoters in boxing, they really don't do service to the fighters because they don't give them a chance, really, sometimes, to really get those fights to become the best they can become, to get what they need to bring that out in them. The UFC fighters bring that out. They get it brought out, and that's why they go to that level. So... At the end of the day, what did I see? I saw everything you said. Um, but there, there should also be mentioned that Font took this fight <laughs> as a last-minute replacement. So where he was training for a fight in Boston, where, where I'm going to be doing that fight for ESPN, um, in three weeks, basically three weeks. Two and, weeks. Yeah, but, but it's the 19th, so it's closer to three weeks because, right, three weeks is 21 days. The fight is that this fight took place Saturday, right? Saturday, what was it? Yeah, it was, two, it was they were two weeks apart. So there's a fight at Apex Saturday oh, next weeks. week and then the following all right, weekend. Yeah. Not three, all right, so two weeks. So Font was going to take this, was going to fight in Boston in two weeks. Fight fell through. Font steps in there. Um, Instead of fighting on the Boston card, <laughs> he steps in there, he saves the show, <laughs> and <laughs> he, he steps in there with Sanhagen. So that should be noted because 
he's missing two weeks of preparation, preparing for a whole different style, a whole, you know, a whole different animal, if you will. And again, he's missing two weeks of, uh, look, he's in shape because he was training for that, but not in the top shape maybe, not only physically but mentally, knowing that he did everything in a full camp. So that's there. That's in the backdrop. That's in his mind a little bit. That's hovering over a little bit like a cloud. And maybe, I'm not making excuses for him, but maybe that plays into why Font really kind of fought the fight that he did. And at the end of the day, Sanhagen fought the fight he did that put Font on the floor, on the mat. And Font sometimes didn't look like he went to the place that he normally would go to find a way to get out of it, to take the risk to get out of that rather than kind of go along with it or accept it and until it was too late. And maybe he does if he had full time to prepare for the style and those extra two weeks. Maybe a little bit he was compromised, a little bit mentally, because even if you're in shape, part of being in top shape is mentally being confident, mentally being in top shape, where you really, where that's the package, where you believe that you're ready for anything. If Fott was a little off, he might not have believed that. And that might have been part of the reason why when he got on the mat with Sanhagen, who put him there, that he wasn't able to give more resistance, to find a way to get to a place where he needed to get to, what it would have taken to get to that place, where he didn't feel that his gas tank would support him. Or, as I said, mentally wasn't at 100%, which you have to be when you're fighting these top kind of guys. Um, so I just thought that, for me, that that should be said. And um, having said that, the first round was close. With, with a small edge to Sanhagen. The second round, Sanhagen won the battle of geography that I'm talking about, that I always talk about, and where he, he was able to fight in the area where he had the edge, where he was obviously comfortable fighting this fight, where his abilities, his technique on the mat, where he controlled things. Um, matter of fact, I, I sent out a tweet where in that second round, they, they look like two land crabs, with, of course, Sanhagen being the master of land crab, uh, the one on top, the one in charge. Third round, more of the same, Sanhagen on the mat, controlling things, and Font, again, needing to now change things. And that's why I started with what I said. Not an excuse, but the later landscape that maybe that's what was at play. He needed now to change things. And perhaps, as I said, take gambles to do so because he was behind. But again, he seemed, I hate to say it this way, but he seemed almost content to survive and last more than find a way. And That's definitely how it looked at the, uh, in the arena live. It definitely looked like he was resigned to his, to his fate. And, and again, although, of course, it was Sanhagen's decision, you know, to his credit, um, you know, for not giving him 
too many options. I mean, let's not take away from what San Hagen was doing at a high level. Let's not take away from that. But in order to win, he had to do something else, and he didn't. It just didn't seem like he he went out of his way to try to do that. It was 3 nothing after 3. San Hagen going into the 4th. Um, you know, uh, he's up 3 nothing, And Fon's corner was very, I think it was in the 4th round or after the 4th round. But his corner was really real with him. Where a lot of times corners aren't honest. They just go along with the fighter because they want to continue to, you know, be their friend and not do their job. Uh, just survive, not make them angry, speed, whatever. They don't do their job sometimes. Font's Corner did their job, um, where they told him the truth, that he lost every round and that he needed to do something different, obviously, other than basically, as we just said, just get along to go along. Uh, in this case, rather, you know, almost like he's waiting for the bell. And... In the fourth round, as his people told him, or, or read him the riot act, as I said, um, it was it was his choice to either go for it or continue to do enough to survive, to last. And at the same time, it was also the fans' choice to what you brought up, to show how they felt about the lack of fireworks by booing. And they did. Uh, in the end, 5 nothing San Hagen. It was a wrestling clinic. I want to give San Hagen full credit. It was a wrestling clinic put on by San Hagen. Truly a technical and smart fight fought by him. Not exciting. We understand that. But very freaking efficient. Uh, solid performance. I found it interesting, Ken. And, and I had to mention this. That... They booed, and that's their provocative. I'm not knocking the fans for booing. I get it. But I found it interesting that fans booed because when Floyd Mayweather put on a defensive clinic, you know, the fans seemed to at least appreciate it. But I guess that's the difference with, obviously, the big difference with the two sports. I guess people going to watch Floyd expected... You know, they, they're going to watch Floyd. They know what he is. They expected a technical clinic. A, if you will, like going to a baseball game, expecting a pitching performance, maybe a shutout, a no-hitter, but not expecting home runs. But people going to a UFC contest, they're looking for grand, they're, they're looking for grand slams. <laughs> they're not just home runs. They're looking for bases loaded, hit it over the freaking fence, and, and you know, light up the night. Light up tonight. And again, to the credit of Dana White, he has built an exciting brand. And that's why people go there. Competitive and excitement and fireworks. And, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, people will boo in boxing too. No doubt about it. But I just thought it was interesting that, you know, Mayweather made a living out of kind of doing what Sanhagen did this particular... And Sanhagen's very well-rounded. Next fight, he could be striking, he could be moving, kicking, striking. Uh, he, could, he, he does it all. But this particular night, he was smart. He chose that course of action, and it was the right course. He, he, won, a, he, won, a, he won a fight hands down. 
And that's what you're supposed to do. Eliminate risk if you can and and find a way to win as easily, as solidly, as convincingly as possible. And he did. And he did. But again, I found it interesting that, you know, he did what Floyd does or did. He he went in there, he put a clinic on, <laughs> right? He put a clinic on of science in his particular field. Floyd would put on those clinics, which he did. It was just great, and he still is great. But he would put on these these defensive clinics, these counterpunching clinics, uh, these no-hit performances, and you know people accepted it. Again, uh, it's it's kind of what the brand has been built in UFC. They they want home runs. They want home runs, and they like it even yep. better if the bases are loaded. But I <laughs> I think we I think we covered it pretty well, like a blanket. Yep. Uh- I agree. And you mentioned uh, home runs. I'll tell you who didn't hit a home run and got a strikeout was uh, Eddie Hearn and Anthony Joshua with the promotion of the Dillian White fight, which was canceled over the weekend one week prior to the fight when Dillian White allegedly failed a drug test. And I texted you and Rob and I said, something just smells fishy here. I'm not defend. I'm certainly not defending anyone for a doping violation. But it just seems like, I don't know, maybe I'm being a bit of a conspiracy theorist and this isn't an accusation. I'm just saying something seems fishy. That Conor Ben, Chris Eubank fight gets canceled right before allegedly ticket sales were crap. Then Ben, I think think he's been cleared of any wrongdoing. Now the Dillian White fight, the ticket sales are supposedly bad for this. This fight gets canceled because of a uh, drug test. I don't know. I'm just giving an alternative view, something to think about. Is, are these people failing these drug tests or what's going on? Because I said to you guys, it would be incredibly stupid and no one's ever accused some fighters of being like brainiacs, but it would be incredibly stupid and irrational to test positive one week before a fight versus eight to 10 weeks out when you enter well, the Well, did you forget about pool. some guy named Big Baby or whatever his name is? What's yeah, his name? but I feel like Big Baby, I think, was just so brazen and, and blatant. He tested positive for like, you know, as soon as he, and he blew the what test. He, what did he do? Like, he blew a $5 million payday with uh, against Joshua. Um, what, I mean... More, because Ruiz stepped in, beat him, and then got $13 million for the next fight. Yeah, so more. But, he, they also, as soon as he tested positive, they announced everything he tested positive for. There was no doubt it was like testosterone, growth hormone, EPO. This one, they're like, oh, an adverse finding. Okay, maybe. But Dillian White is in a voluntary pool that he's paying for, voluntary testing. If you were going to test positive, it would make so much more sense biologically or pharmacologically to test positive when you enter the pool, assuming you would dope well before the fight and then come off it knowing you're in the pool. But to get busted for something one week prior, I'd love to know what all the tests were. Who said, to that. Ken, you're giving what them too much reason? credit. You're, calling, you're giving them credit for yeah. being smart cheaters. Who said they're smart cheaters? <laughs> Something just seems fishy. Nevertheless, he. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You have to bring. Fair. I don't know that you have to bring Clouseau and and Colombo in for that. I mean, uh, that's fair. Maybe that's. I'm just I giving something. I don't know if he cheated. To didn't cons- cheat. All I know. Something to consider. It's a weird. I agree. It's a weird occurrence. Well, here's here's my take. It's off, right? Okay. Dirty drug test by White. Another yep. one. That has to the be end. said. That's it. All right. Those are facts. Here, here's another fact. That That's not the first time he tested dirty. Um, and yep. a few years ago, I went to bat for 
for for this guy White. Uh, what was it? That's right. Two years ago, whatever. He failed a test. That's right. I said I believed in him. Uh, I went on our air uh, and gave him a chance to prove himself. And I, I can't remember all the details, but I think he was vindicated at least on one of the charges. I don't know how many times he actually wound up being charged or whatever, but I thought he got vindicated on at least one of them. I like to always be put it all out there, not just one side. But here's... Here's the story here for me. Who cares? I mean, who cares? I, I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> but who cares about this who fight? Who cared about the fight when it who was announced? Who cared about this fight? I, I mean, I don't care. Totally if he's, unnecessary. I don't care if he's eating freaking uh, Kellogg's sugar frosted flakes with Tony the Tiger. And Tony the Tiger is his corner man. I don't care. I don't care about this fight. The White was destroyed by Fury not too long ago. Why He got a win afterwards. I get it. But he was destroyed. He was knocked out um, by by he's also been knocked out by Joshua some years ago. I know he's improved, he's matured, he's got beaten better since then, supposedly. I get it. But he got knocked out already by Joshua early in his career, destroyed less than a, uh, a year ago by Fury. He got a big payday with Fury, didn't even show up. He was horrible, horrible. Didn't look as if he had even prepared for the style he was fighting. And, and let me, please, you great British fans, argue with me on this. Please, don't you dare. Don't you dare. Not when you're wrong. Not when you can't back up the argument. No, something else, go ahead. Bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it. But not when you're wrong. Please, just sit back and be honest. And, and just eat your crumpets, have a draft, you know, have a Guinness, and, and just say, yeah, you know what, Teddy's got a little bit of a point here this time. Okay? Other times, maybe he don't. This time he does. So, he didn't even look as if he had even prepared for the style he was fighting. He offered no resistance at all against Fury. It was embarrassing. And now we're supposed to be ringing the cathedral bells for this fight? I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it shouldn't have been happening anyway. Why? Why? White didn't earn it. Joshua has lost two fights to a cruiserweight, a special fighter in Usyk, I know, but he's been knocked out by Ruiz. I know he came back and he, he won. I get it. But he, he got knocked out by Ruiz on two weeks' notice, and I'm supposed to care about him and White? Put him in with Wilder. Go ahead. Put Joshua in with Wilder. Or put him in with the Chinese fighter, uh, Zili Zhang, who just... Who just uh, he just beat Joyce, um, you know. Even though he's nothing super, either. I'm not saying he is, but either is Joshua, or or put Joshua in with even with that F Philip uh, Holvik. Uh, he's 15 and 0. Uh, he's rated in the top somewhere. Uh, yeah, Holgovich. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, Holvik or whatever, whatever's the real way to pronounce it. But don't reward guys like White. For losing when they already got their their big shot and they made big money, you know, really. But then again, I get it. It's England, you know. It's a whole different animal over there. The fans there, you know, you only have you only have uh, 
you got darts and you got snooker. <laughs> you know, I know that you got. I I, I know that uh, obviously soccer is the universal biggest sport on the planet. I get it, and you got a hell of a soccer team. But you know, you don't have a lot of the other things we have over here. I get it. Um, I I know that I know that they the fans just love their heavyweights uh, over there. They, you know, I was using an analogy about cereal. I'll use another one. They're cuckoo for coconuts. Uh, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Uh, cuckoo, remember that commercial? I'm um, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> they're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Uh, they're cuckoo for their heavyweights. Uh, if you put their beloved Joshua, who really... Uh, I might as well go all the way on this, right? I already got myself knee-deep on this thing, right? I might as well go the rest of the way. The fans, you know, uh, give them more reason to make another dartboard with my face in it, which they've done, which they've done, and, and, and throw it at me. Um, but they were good enough to send it to me and have it signed by all the great British champions. And they have great British champions over there. They do, and I still have the dartboard, and I love you guys. I love you. Don't throw no more darts, okay? But this will put them over the top a little bit. But they love their beloved Joshua, who really didn't even win the gold in the Olympics. Yeah, I said it. I said it. <laughs> I called those fights. I called that fight in particular for NBC. And um, he did not beat the Italian fighter. The Italian fighter won that fight. But let me tell you something. Uh, you didn't have to be the Mason Kreskin to know who was going to get that win, right, Ken? I mean, the the yeah. Olympics were in London. They were in England, right? And so there was a better chance that the Queen would have went streaking in front of Big Ben. Really, before, the there would have been a better chance of the Queen going streaking down freaking whatever that avenue is that Big Ben is on uh, then Joshua wasn't going to get <laughs> the decision, really. I, I mean, I hate to see the queen streaking, yeah. don't get me wrong, but I, I also hate to see a fighter get robbed. And um, so, as I've yeah. said before, you could put Joshua in with the doorman at the King's Arms Hotel, and 50,000 people are going to show up at Wembley. I, I just That's just the way it is, you know, God bless Eddie Hearn and and Warren and and the rest of them over there that they have the privilege. They work hard, but they have the privilege to 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 promote over there where the fans love boxing, love their guys and make make the fighters rich and make the promoters rich. As far as Well, as soon as the fight was as soon as the fight was canceled, Ruiz sent a tweet said he wants the fight. They're talking yeah, about course. Robert Helanius, who's four, 39 years old. Oh, uh, please. He just, got knocked, dead. He just got knocked dead. He just got knocked <laughs> dead by what? Look, as far as here's one other part to it, though. David Hay, right? The former champion over there, good fighter. Yes. As far as David Hay coming out saying that Shizora, who's what? He's 42, 43, 44 years old. Yeah. Listen, I love Shizora. Yeah. Great warrior. Fought everybody. Great warrior. And Fury, good man. He gave him a payday to go out uh, in his last fight. Knocked him out just recently. Uh, Chisora has been in nothing but wars. And he does nothing but satisfy the fans. 20 years of wars. He should not be in the ring anymore. He, he should just be 
be doing what he deserves to do, enjoying, enjoying life, enjoying the money that he made, what he went through to make that money, enjoying it. He should not, at 44, 43, whatever, with all the punches he's taken, he should not. That would be a terrible risk to put him in again and uh, on you know uh, into a into that ring. He should not be in that ring. Um, but again. Uh, Hay came out saying that Chisora, uh told him a week ago that White uh, Joshua fight wouldn't happen and Chisora was training to step in. Well, I got one question here, Ken. Do you have this question too? Why didn't Why didn't Hay say something a week ago then? Why is he waiting now to tell us? Why didn't he say if he had this great information, this inside thing? Why didn't he tell us before? Again, you don't need Colombo brought in to figure that. And and one other thing, he's close friends with Chisora, I, I I believe, right, from what I understand. Yeah. So we're supposed to believe that we're supposed to believe this? And 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 again, who cares? You wanna see now Chisora? Really? He just got knocked out, took another beating from Fury. As I said, he's a war horse. I love him. But you want to see him in there now? I mean, you want to see him? As I said, he shouldn't be fighting anymore. Does I don't know. And now to your point. Well, what you does, asked, what what you to, asked no, about No, to hey, your though. point, to your point. Does this whole thing sound a bit fishy or whatever the freak you want to call it? Fish and chips. We're, we're talking over there, right? Does it sound like fish and chips or or did he just test dirty? I don't know. I I, I really, I don't know. Uh, why would they be playing games if they were? Because maybe the pay-per-view buys were low, like you said. Uh, they want it out. Again, who knows? Who cares? But give us a real fight that matters. Give us a real fight. Give us a fight or give us death. Right? We, we at least, at, no, 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 at least death before someone says, oh, Teddy wants death. Unless death of these BS matches. <laughs> What do you? Th- well, what I was going to say. Go ahead, you what's said, your answer? What do you think about about Hay saying this and all the shenanigans going on? I say it's just like boxing, which can be summed up in one simple expression: ninety percent bullshit and ten percent lies. Uh, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> that's the facts. That, that's, I mean, there's a lot of. Th- that's that, the facts. Wow. Yeah, I I, I get it. But that's not good. I'm trying to put my no. head around that. 90% BS. That's not good. All right, let's go to <laughs> at least we got something, right? You got something, 10%. Yeah. yeah. But the 10% something is is not really good. <laughs> that's lies. That's that's kind of that's kind of like that movie. Remember that movie Dumb and Dumber <laughs> where yeah. where one of those guys says, "What's the chances of you going out with me?" To this beautiful girl, and he looks like a you know like a dumb guy, yeah. you know, with the bowl cow cut and the whole thing, right? You know, but what's the chances of you going out with me? One hundred trillion to one. So you're saying, <laughs> so you're saying, I got a chance. <laughs> you're not even saying, you're not even saying we got a chance, Ken. With with your breakdown, 
when we get a good fight, it's like a blind squirrel finding a nut. We're like, oh, shit, we fell into a good one, guys. Let's go. Call everyone. Spence and Crawford a fight, and it only took five years to make it. Um, <laughs> from that Dumb and Dumber movie, when he, <laughs> my favorite line from that is when they're walking by the Dumb and Dumber, the two characters are walking past a, a couple, a guy and a girl, and one of them turns around and goes, wow, would you look at that butt? <laughs> and, and the other guy turns around and goes, yeah, he must work out. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one thing you should be doing if you want to be in shape and have people looking at you is taking your athletic greens. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Atlas to take advantage of the offer that they're giving our listeners right now, which is 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. The, the travel packs are invaluable. Athletic Greens is made from 75 whole food source ingredients. Easy to drink in the morning. It's the one supplement that I take no matter what. People ask me all the time, if you could only take one supplement, what would it be? I tell them it's Athletic Greens and it's the truth. As you know, Teddy, they've been with us from the beginning. We approach them because it was a product that we used. I love it. Please support the people that support the show. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Atlas to order your monthly subscription. Well, let me ask one question. Free travel packs. Let me ask you one Go question. If you use it, will it make your butt look better? <laughs> if you use it and you train incessantly, yes, 100%. You cannot go wrong. There's one simple formula. Work works. If you do put in hard work, you will get the rewards. But to your period. point, you put in hard work, but you do have to put the right things into your body. And athletic greens. Oh, the diet's just as important as the work. Yeah, diet, the right sleep, and exercise are the three things you need. You can't have one without the other. You neglect your sleep and it'll catch up to you. Same with your diet. You can't exercise away a bad diet. Diet is the like linchpin to everything. Uh, but with that said, athleticgreens.com slash Atlas. Um, well, Teddy, I think we covered it all for this week. That was a good one. I think we're coming up on two hours here. There'll be plenty of content for everyone. Hopefully everyone's satisfied with the coverage. Inevitably, someone will be like, oh, you didn't cover the World Pillow Fighting Championships uh, or the Bare Knuckle and Bare Feet Kick Contest. Like, we can't cover everything, guys. We try to do best we can. Hope everyone enjoyed that coverage of um, the two events from the weekend. And obviously, we'll be back next week with a full breakdown of this coming weekend's action. And if you're going to be in Boston on August 19th for the UFC card, Teddy and I will both be there. And uh, always love seeing the fans at these events. You got anything else, Teddy, before we say goodbye? Is, Ro is Rob still with us or did he go to see the Eiffel Tower? <laughs> Rob's, Rob's <laughs> halfway up the Eiffel Tower right now with his camera <laughs> around his neck. Yeah, yeah, God bless. Oh, well, listen, good good chatting with you there, and um, hopefully the fans enjoy it, and please subscribe. Yep. That's the only thing I would add, yep. because I ain't going to do this no more. One day I'm not going to show up, and I'm not threatening. No <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I love you, and I appreciate you that, that you allow us to have this show and without you we can't do it um that you guys two the subscribers are up to 294,000 that's that's good i want to get to 300 yep. it was stuck on 291 for a long time and then in the last week really fast maybe a week and a half it jumped from 291 to 294 that's 3,000 subscribers in like a week that that's that's pretty freaking good. Um, that's damn good. And it's because of the fights, because of the traffic, because of the excitement about the content that we were doing. Uh, but it's because of you. 
because you guys, you know, you you subscribe to it. You pass the word around to friends of yours. So, again, if you want us to keep doing this, you want me to figure not not show up one day, and, and you know, again, I'm not threatening. I'm just saying <laughs> that then, you know, put together these little armies of recruiters where you go, where you go and you put together a yes. little fight recruit where you you go and you tell people hey let's subscribe and get 10 other people to subscribe yep. because i want to get to 300 really fast like in the next week two weeks month whatever and then i want to move forward I want to. I want to move forward like General Patton, like MacArthur. I want to. I want to go to one million. That's 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 right. That's where I want to get to. Teddy, another thing I want to do as we get closer to the fall for the um, Dr. Atlas Foundation, the Thursday before Thanksgiving in uh, Staten Island. Maybe we should give away two um, tickets to sit with Rob and I at the table that Rob and I get every year. I give a couple tickets away. The other thing I'd say, let's do it. The other thing I'd say is I have, um, I always listen to podcasts or audio books while I'm running. And if, and if you do that, or if you like audio books in general, you should check out Teddy's audio book, Atlas from the streets, from the streets to the ring, a son struggled to become a man. Here's a picture of what it looks like. You can get that on audible.com. I can't recommend it enough. If you like what Teddy has to say, want to hear more of his backstory check it out there and while we're giving the plugs check out box raw where if you're a boxer or you're training to be a boxer or you're just pretending to be a boxer in the gym go to box raw and get check out the 36 collection where you can get all of um teddy's 36 uh, uh branded jerseys and shorts 36 minutes to make life fair and if you're a jiu-jitsu man and want to learn some striking skills or you're just getting into boxing check out the striking tutorial videos on um dynamicstriking.com BJJ Fanatics and Teddy has a whole series there you can check it all out with that thank you for um, listening thank you for being with us and uh, we'll be back next week with a full breakdown of all the coming weekends action take it easy see you Teddy